Hi, everyone, and thank you for tuning into the Becker's Healthcare Podcast Series. I am Brian Zimmerman, Senior Director, Client Content and Strategy with Becker's Hospital Review. Today, I'm pleased to be joined by Lynn Georgopoulos, Vice President, Regulatory Strategy for Integrated Drug Development at Sertara. Lynn has over 30 years of diverse biopharmaceutical and CRO industry experience, developing and providing strategic guidance in clinical and regulatory advice at all stages of product development, with an emphasis in pediatric drug development. Lynn, thank you so much for taking the time today. Thank you for the kind introductions, Brian. It's a pleasure to be here today. So I'm going to start off here with a really hard-hitting question. You know, if you could have any superpower, what would that be and why? Um, well, I think that superpower would be to be able to go longer than 24 hours uh, without sleep. <laughs> and being um, a working mom, I could really use those extra eight hours in the day to get all the things that are needed to be done. And how I sort of make that superpower happen for me on a daily basis is just an exorbitant amount of uh, caffeine that I consume to um, stay up for as long as possible. That really resonates with me. I'm also working, my wife and I work from home with a toddler, so I totally hear you on that superpower and caffeine <laughs> is my best friend. Um, with that, now that we know, you know, what kind of superhero you are already, you're working mom, that's a superhero in and of itself. Can you talk a bit about your role and career background? Sure, absolutely. Um, well, I'm a nurse by training and worked in critical care at several major teaching hospitals in Connecticut and Pennsylvania. And that's actually where I was given the opportunity uh, to work in clinical research. I started out my career as a study coordinator, working on some of the very early VA cooperative research studies and industry-funded studies um, in heart failure research at the Philadelphia VA Medical Center and the University of Pennsylvania. This was probably the most impactful experience in my career as I really saw firsthand what it what it was like to talk to patients about clinical research and obtain their consent and really take part in research and really walk that journey with them through the, the trial. Um, I feel like I'm dating myself, but at this time, this was well before good clinical practices were actually available to help guide researchers in the conduct of clinical trials. And then from there, I began my industry career uh, working in clinical operations at Senecor and Sanofi and headed up clinical operations at Biopharma, uh, where we conducted antiviral trials in children as well as adults, which really presented some, some unique challenges. Uh, and then at this point, I became interested in regulatory affairs and was able to combine my interest in both clinical development and regulatory and held senior leadership roles at several startup biotech companies, including Biorexis, Tetralogic, and most recently, Phase Bio, where I was Senior Vice President for Clinical Development. Um, a colleague of mine that I'd worked with previously asked me to join a new company, Kinder Farm, which was a small niche consulting firm that he started in response to the implementation of the pediatric regulations uh, in the U.S. and in Europe. And as Senior VP of Clinical Development and Regulatory Strategy, our focus was really to support pediatric drug development through innovative trial designs and use of modeling and simulation. Ironically, the tools that we utilize, such as Phoenix, Winnonlin, and Simsip, were tools that were developed by Satara. We were subsequently uh, sold to a mid-sized CRO. And then I really, really wanted to focus back on the strategic side of um, pediatric research and had the fortunate opportunity in 2020 to become part of the Satara's integrated drug development team as VP of Regulatory Strategy and, and now leading the launch of the Pediatric Integrated Practice Area. Great, Lynn. Thank you so much for, for laying all that out for, for our listeners so they can really appreciate your perspective here. 
and then diving into pediatric drug development. So what, what are some unique challenges there and what's being done to overcome these challenges? Sure. I like to just start just with a quick history because for those maybe uh, who don't know much about pediatric drug development, really when the pediatric regulations were introduced in the U.S. in 2002-2003 timeframe with the Best Pharmaceuticals for Children's Act and the Pediatric Research Equity Act and then subsequently in Europe with the pediatric medicines regulations, um, really had a positive impact on facilitating pediatric research. Prior to that, only um, anywhere between 50 and 80% of medications actually had pediatric use labeling. And so the implementation of the regulations were really successful in facilitating pediatric research, and it resulted in the U.S. since BPCA and PREA over 800 medicines that actually now have pediatric use labeling information, and that similar success has been seen in Europe. The unfortunate part is, is that although we've, we've seen this significant progress, we still see, uh, on average, about a nine-year lag between the time when a product receives approval in adults to when the product is actually updated uh, to include some pediatric use information. So companies are really continued to be faced with challenges of designing pediatric development programs that are effectively um, and can be effectively managed to address both ethical and practical challenges for conducting trials in children. So, for instance, when we think about the ethical considerations in conducting pediatric trials, and that's really what led to really many trials not being conducted in children, was the the use of whether or not uh, you can conduct placebo-controlled trials, and that is when, when patients effectively do not get the active drug. And certainly, if there is data in adults to suggest that the drug is effective, it really becomes a concern as to how we can um, enroll patients, pediatric patients, in placebo-controlled trials, or whether or not we can um, really get consent from a parent or guardian, as well as the child who are old enough to provide assent to be willing to participate in clinical trials. Just the practical considerations of the procedures that are done in, in research, like blood sampling, for instance, to collect blood for pharmacokinetic analysis, or, you know, how much blood and how often can you even take blood in, in patients is, is one of those really unique challenges on the pediatric population. Um, on top of that, you know, researchers really need to think about how they're going to select dose and, and design these trials to generate meaningful data in a really diverse population, not only from a disease perspective, but when you think about the pediatric population as a whole, you're really de dealing with a very wide group of, of patients that have both developmental and emotional um, differences across the spectrum. And so, you know, we have ways um, that we can overcome some of these challenges in conducting research in children really through what we call model-informed drug development. And this really refers to the ability to use a range of quantitative models and tools to facilitate our decision-making when we think when we're trying to uh, look at determining dose for children, and then how we can find innovative ways to support the generation of efficacy data and the design of these clinical trials. Well, thank you so much for, for laying all that out. I mean, I think I was really struck with that nine-year lag between adults and mm -hmm. pediatrics. I'm not terribly unfamiliar with, with this uh, topic, but it, it did shock me a little bit because, just because I wasn't completely aware of that timeline. 
So I'm wondering what else should our listeners know about the current regulatory environment for these types of medications? You know, what, what do you really want our audience to take away today? Well, I think it's important for our listeners to really know where pediatric drug development regulations are in effect. So, for instance, pediatric drug development is mandatory in the U.S., EU, the U.K., because of following Brexit, and in Switzerland, and it's essential for companies to plan early and to know where you're planning to market your drug, to understand what products are subject to the pediatric regulations, and really look for opportunities to seek advice from the regulators on pediatric drug development programs. It's essential, really, when we think about, again, coming back to the whole time lag as to why it takes so long to conduct these trials. So we really have to think about efficiencies and really uh, improve on the consistency and collaboration among regulators to reach agreement on streamlined pediatric drug development programs. And so, for instance, if you plan to market your drug in the EU, a company is expected to file a pediatric plan um, shortly after completing phase one or soon after the initiation of phase two. And so it's important to think about the ability to obtain scientific advice before submitting your plan. And companies need to know that this advice is free. And, it's, and these, these are resources that are available. And then if you're also planning to develop the drug in the U.S., you're going to file a plan a little bit later. But again, it's going to be important to understand, you know, what is required from a planning perspective. And to really, again, I think the biggest thing is that what companies need to understand, listeners need to understand, is that to try to develop programs that are acceptable to both um, regulators, both the U.S. And, and EU as major markets, it really to reduce any sort of redundancies. Uh, in the program. And then also to really understand what is available and what's acceptable to the regulators with regard to use of modeling and simulation to support claims for, for labeling for efficacy. You know, we always need to look at safety in the pediatric population, so there'll always generally be a requirement to study drugs in children, but perhaps we can study them in a smaller number of patients and in a study to gather more informative data that again, that can be applied across both requirements to satisfy uh, the requirements in both the EU and US. Uh, the one other thing I did want to mention is that recently in the US, the pediatric regulations were amended with the Race for Children's Act. And this really um, is important for anyone who's developing drugs for oncology, that they understand that now there is a requirement to study molecularly targeted compounds that are being developed for adult cancers that could possibly affect a molecular target a mechanism for that are relevant to the growth and progression of pediatric cancer. Again, there are opportunities to seek out um, early advice through with, with the agency on uh, approaches to, to pediatric drug development. And as I uh, just wanted to re reiterate, it's really the ability to harmonize um, the overall pediatric programs across the spectrum and to plan early. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so important to plan early and, and address those potential redundancies. So, Lynn, I want to ask, you know, what is Sertara working on now and what project most excites you for the rest of 2021? Yeah, I think what is really most exciting, although I can't speak about specific development programs, is Sertara's commitment to fostering uh, innovative approaches to pediatric drug development through, especially now with COVID. So, we now you know, have vaccines for adults and that those vaccines will need to be studied in children and the approach that we can take to doing that along with other therapies that are under development in adults. 
And so um, through our combination of our COVID task force, as well as work through our pediatric practice area to really help companies that are developing, developing these essential medicines for um, use in pediatric patients. And really, again, the ability to capitalize on any data that's been generated in adults and how that can be applied and those lessons learned to how we're going to study these medicines in children. And then again, also through our pediatric practice area on how we have um, been supporting our clients actually with implementation of the RACE Act um, and helping them navigate the complexities with the agency and negotiating for uh, the appropriate pediatric trial designs. Those two areas, I should say, are really um, most exciting to me at Satara. And, you know, I, I'd like our listeners to also be aware that anyone who is going to be thinking about or involved in drug development for pediatrics to seek out some of our, our webinars that, again, we have archived on our website, but we have a series of new upcoming uh, webinars that are scheduled to really um, help facilitate pediatric drug development in 2021. Certainly, certainly some important work you all will be doing this year. So, Lynn, really appreciate your time and sharing all your thoughts with our listeners today. Thank you. I'd also like to thank Sertara as well for sponsoring this episode. Listeners, you can tune into more podcasts from Becker's Healthcare by visiting our podcast page at beckershospitalreview.com.